Hello, welcome into another episode of Teeing Off, Talking Golf with me, your host, Arjun McCullough. This week on Teeing Off, I'm going to go into Webb Simpson running away with the Players' Championship. I'll talk a little bit of some other stuff that came up around that event. Then we'll go into this week's Byron Nelson Championship. Got some personal stuff to talk about and uh, some new betting stuff. Lucas Glover, crazy story. Yeah, we got a lot to cover, a lot to get into this week, so let's just do it. First thing I've got to touch on, though, what was Phil Mickelson thinking? The sun's cooking you. He caught some heat for wearing this exact same shirt a few weeks ago. Now, you'd think after a guy, as was pointed out, catches heat for wearing something, he wouldn't wear it again. Well, Mickelson doubled down with... He's going with this new look. He's, it's essentially, he's wearing a dress shirt. He's trying to create a new little niche in the golf world of people going from the business office to the golf course, apparently not being able to take the 15, 20 seconds it takes to change your shirt. I don't know what he was thinking with that shirt. And he was playing with Tiger the first two rounds, so I can only imagine Tiger would have absolutely ripped into him for this thing. Um, if you haven't seen it, worth taking a look at. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what. Obviously, someone in his in his um, inner circle got into his ear and, and was able to pitch this to him. Um, he has a sponsorship deal with this company called Mizzen and Main, and he calls it a performance fabric dress shirt. Um, his quote, I just pulled it up, it's, nobody does kind of slightly overweight middle-aged guy better than me. And this says exactly who I am. Well, if who you want to be is a guy who looks like an idiot, well, I guess that's what Phil, <laughs> Phil decided to go with. Just reading, a fan between first green and second tee tell, tells Phil Mickelson he's digging the long sleeve shirt. Phil responds, I had to dress it up a little bit around here. Um, I guess when you see he's he's standing beside Tiger, who has one of those Nike shirts that has no, no uh, collar, but I don't think anyone's turning on the TV and saying, "Oh yeah, that's a good look." I think I want to uh, try and pull that off. So that that was kind of the lasting image of Phil Mickelson. He came into the week playing really well, um, and even during the telecast, Bones, Phil's former caddy, was on and uh, he was discussing some of the crazy shots Phil's hit over the years, and then. Johnny Miller, arguably the best golf announcer, but also hands down the most cranky. He, uh, his response to Jim McKay going off about how, going on about how impressive some of the stuff Phil Mickelson would do when they were, when they were paired together, uh, caddy and, and player, was, well, Phil was packing up his car on Friday. So basically, I don't know if Johnny Miller doesn't like Phil or what, but. Not getting any credit for these shirts aren't going over well. I guess you could just just leave it at that. In terms of the actual golf tournament that happened this weekend, yes, there was an actual golf tournament. It was a big one too, the proverbial fifth major. Uh, if you didn't read my blog on that last week, quickly, I don't believe in the idea of a fifth major. If there was a fifth major, there would be five majors, but there's four majors. So I digress on that. Uh, Webb Simpson was the winner, and there is the winning putt for Webb Simpson. 
A double bogey at the last, but a still a four-shot victory at 18 under as he wins by four over a group of three. Yeah, there you hear it. Webb Simpson wins the Players' Championship 18 under over Charles Schwarzer, Charles Schwarzel, Jimmy Walker, Xander Shoffley tied second. And then tied fifth, we had Jason Day and Jason Duffner at 13 under. Jason Duffner actually had a putt on the last hole to finish second alone. And uh, he three-putted from there, a putt that would cost him $770,000. So, sure, Duff's doing just fine, but also sure he would like to have that $770,000 in his pocket right now. Um, Aside from that, really good week. Uh, Sort of anticlimactic. Well, very anticlimactic. I I do like Webb Simpson. I interviewed him at Hilton Head. Really nice guy, good family guy. He had a bit of a family issue uh, as of late that I'm going to talk to him about in a minute. But before I get into the positive things about Webb, I just want to discuss any tournament that's a runaway tournament. I mean, this one was a runaway from day two. It happens a lot in majors. This closest, I guess, the closest thing you're going to get to a major without actually having a major. I hate it. I hate, 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 hate it more than almost anything else in golf. I, I would honestly... I would rather watch Patrick Reed win the Masters again than see a runaway event unless the guy winning is named Tiger Woods. It's just, there's no, it's so hard to manufacture the excitement when a guy's up by five, six, seven strokes. I mean, as amazing as Tiger was playing on Sunday, really Saturday, which started it, but when he got within, the closest he got was four strokes. And even then, it's like, okay, Tiger, he's played amazing this far and he's still four strokes back. Like, you're going to need the leader to come back to the field. And it it is significantly less exciting, significantly less enticing to turn on the TV and watch when you know a guy's up by so much, Uh, especially when it's not a U.S. Open. When I mean, TBC Sawgrass and the Players' Championship, there's certainly holes where you can have a big number, but it's not like the U.S. Open where you're going to go plus five in a couple holes and, and go from the lead to 20th or something. So... Definitely anticlimactic. Definitely not a fan of events where a guy runs away with it. But it's going to happen sometimes, especially when you have the best fields. And, well, I guess it could happen just as much when you have a a field like this week where there's such a huge difference between the best and the worst in the field. But when you do have everyone, uh, all the top guys, and you have one guy that's really, really firing on all cylinders in all aspects of his game, then it's going to happen once in a while. So congratulations to Webb. He is a really nice guy. Uh, I asked him a couple weeks ago, his four kids. So I asked him, how do, how do you manage four kids with this schedule? And instantly he responds, I have a great wife. So he's got his head in the right place. And he talked about some family things that have happened recently. So you can't help but be happy for him when you hear that. Here's um, a little bit of, of that. My dad got me started in the game. He was a two-time-a-week golfer. And... Um, he was he was great early on. He kept me in other sports, um, but he could tell that I was better in golf than the other sports. Um, and what I loved about my dad was, you know, he had his normal Sunday, Saturday, Saturday or Sunday game. But once I got to be about 11, I started playing with him. I'd be his partner. Um, and he coached me more or less on technique and things like that and more on just how to approach the game, how to respect the game, character, um, you know, I remember a time when um, I told him he should move his ball on this good lie, 
and he took that opportunity to tell me that the ball would be closer to the hole and that'd be bending the rules a little bit. And so I have a lot of memories like that with my dad, how um, he just wanted me to be, um, you know, always, always kind on the golf course and, and good to play with for other guys. And so I still think about all those things to this day. In case you didn't gather from that quote there, Webb lost his father, Sam Simpson, at the age of 74 a couple months ago. And Sam was very, very close to Webb. He suffered from dementia, and uh, although he was ill for a while, the actual passing came as a shock. Um, so it was really nice for Webb to be able to win on Mother's Day and make the first Mother's Day for his mom without his dad a little bit easier and have something to celebrate. And now going forward, they will have uh, this as a nice memory. I mentioned Tiger. Tiger, and uh, he was... I mean, he made the cut on the number, almost missed the cut if it wasn't for a missed putt from, I believe it was Justin Thomas on the last hole on Friday. Him missing a putt allowed a bunch of other guys to get in at one under instead of two under. Well, Tiger went out on Saturday and ripped the course up shooting 65. He stumbled a bit on his last few holes, but then on Saturday, or sorry, on Sunday, he came back out again, ripped it up again on his front nine. He got to, let's say, 15 under. He was a few, he was within four strokes of Webb at one point. Uh, he didn't manage to birdie the par 5 16th. At that point, he needed an eagle to have a real, a real shot. Uh, turns out he would have needed to go four under over his last few holes, and that's including the Webb double bogey on Webb's final hole. But it all kind of, after the par on 16, a relatively easy par 5, then he came to 17, and... Uh, Here's what happened. Not really. That was Tiger on the 17th, the famous 17th hole at TBC Sawgrass. He put that in the water, filled the get up and down, had a double bogey. Uh, he ended up finishing in a tie for 11th which when you consider he made the cut on the number, really, really good. But he's had a bit of an issue, a new problem for Tiger, um, and the Tiger we all know, is he's been unable to finish his good rounds. We saw it a few weeks ago with the Valspar. We saw it, uh, we, we've seen it a few times now. When he gets things going, he gets really, really hot for about 12 or 13 holes, but then he just can't finish that momentum and get into the clubhouse with... Uh, with a really, really good score. He he tends to, I don't know if his brain starts getting ahead of himself or what it is, but something that's new for Tiger and he's going to have to get over is being able to finish his rounds. The only caveat I will say is it's all part of the coming back process. I mentioned it uh, a few weeks ago, but, you know, it's the, the idea of having one game on the driving range and be able to take that game to the course when you're playing with your buddies. And then being able to take that game to practice rounds and playing on the PGA Tour in a casual setting. Then there's being able to take that into actual tournament play on the PGA Tour. Then there's being able to take that into contention on the PGA Tour. And then there's being able to take that into contention in a major. And then there's being able to win a major. So it's, it's this whole sequence of events. That, and we all have to remind ourselves that Tiger is human. And we do have to still go through these things as much as we want to skip them. But... I mean, all in all, a really, really good weekend for Tiger. He finished 11th after, as I said, making a cut on the number, but we couldn't help but want a little bit more. There was that brief moment when 
He was pouring in birdies on Sunday. He got to within a couple, and he still had some relatively easy holes left. But again, he just couldn't couldn't finish it all off. But that is okay. Can't win them all. Justin Thomas has taken over the new spot as world number one. He took that over from Dustin Johnson on the weekend. Clips there from his PGA Championship win last year. He has now, as I mentioned, surpassed Dustin Johnson to become the 21st player to ever hold the number one spot since the world rankings were created in 1986. Others, Webb Simpson, he won by four at TBC, jumped 21 spots to number 20 in the world. Tiger, who started the world, started the year ranked 656th in the world. He moved up another 12 spots to number 80. And aside from Thomas, the only other changes near the top came at number three, where Jordan Spieth edged past John Rahm, and number 10, where Tommy Fleetwood's tied seventh finish moved him up four spots and knocked Brooks Kepka out of the top 10. Dustin Johnson now sits at number two behind Thomas with Spieth, Rahm, Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Hideki Matsuyama, and Tommy Fleetwood comprising the new top 10. We saw... Over the weekend, a new betting law that's come and affected everywhere in the U.S. legalizing sports betting. It's still a bit of a state-to-state thing. I haven't been following it as close as Americans, obviously, would because in Canada we already have free legalized gambling. few things. The one thing I'll say as a Canadian that already has this legalized gambling, um, it's, it's sports betting. It's not the biggest... Uh, I mean, there's so much more interest in the U.S. for sports, so I can see there's going to be a huge difference. But prepare yourselves for, I mean, stopping at gas stations to fill out a pro-line ticket anytime you want. Uh, we don't have this here, but I, I can only imagine the ability of uh, places to have live betting at events. Um, the one thing that's a negative and is going to catch on quickly, you see it in the U.S. There's always such a problem with any sort of addiction, um, opioids, drugs, anything Gambling, sports gambling, sort of like a drug. I mean, especially when you have it at your fingertips, when it's online, and you have the ability to just take money from your credit card, put it on here, and bet anything. I mean, anything. There, you, the variety of sports betting on sports, on like Bet365, MyBookie, all these different sites is incredible. When you have people that are already struggling a little bit with uh, self-control, could be a big problem, but... All in all, I do think this is a good thing. I don't want to be too negative. I just want to give the perspective from somewhere that we already have legalized gambling. But uh, just last month, the PJ Tour Commissioner, Jay Monahan said the tour supported the legalization of sports betting. Uh, he, he cited a few things. The main one was potential financial upside. With that, like one way they can do that, they're going to be sh- selling things like shot link data, things like that for to gambling sites. You're going to see a lot more gambling sites. You're going to see a lot more statistics you're gonna see a lot more people saying like people touting themselves as as pros people saying like pay this and you'll you'll get these picks and all that stuff you're gonna have hedge funds and all these crazy other entities now betting on sports and holding off the 
illegalities of that is going to be, there's going to be a lot of temptations. Let's just say that. But in terms of golf, uh, yeah, they're going to be able to sell shot link data to, for, to get more, more stats and more, and more things, just data points to bet and to do research on. Um, another potential source is apparently the tour would collect an integrity fee, which is a surcharge of sorts, which helps protect its competitions from shady influences. Um, Monaghan tossed out a 1% number of the total betting operations, which a recent study estimates that depending on how many estates offer regulated sports betting, the market would be worth could be worth $6.03 billion in annual revenue. In recent years, golf has sort of been in sort of been trending in the moving towards the gambling stuff. I mean, DraftKings has gotten really big in golf. Um, so we've seen a growing emphasis on, emphasis on things like instant scoreboard updates, video streaming, special coverage of featured groups. Um, but moving forward, definitely it'll be more. You're going to have to see on Golf Channel and on, on, on shows, you're going to see more of not just analyzing like Tiger Swing or the rough and stuff like that, you're going to be hearing a lot like why Tiger should or shouldn't be the favorite. Um, first round matchups against the player, the players in his group, uh, odds for for things, things to, different things to look at in terms of um, like a niche you might be able to find. So, yeah, as I said it's already legal in Canada. It, it's going to change quite a bit in the U.S. just because it's such a bigger market, but definitely um, definitely something interesting to cover or to follow moving forward. And there's a story I don't really like to discuss, but it is it's it's sort of seeped into the lexicon of not just golf. This has sort of gone into the mainstream. So I'm gonna play this clip here. Now one word here, emergency. I've been attacked by my mother in law. Okay. You said you were attacked by your mother? Yes. And my mother in law she's she still there? Into, yes. And here she's locked herself into the room and she's attacked us. Okay, how did she attack you? How did she attack you? Hello? Hi, this is St. John's County hey, Sheriff's Office. Yeah, hi. Uh, hi. We got, a little, I think we got her lines crossed here. Uh, this, is, this is the sane one of the bunch. Okay, well, can you tell me what's going on there? Okay. okay, we do have deputies on their way out there. Can I get your name? 
We've got deputies coming out there already, okay? Okay, thank you. What is your name? Um, yeah, we're going to go. Can I get your name, ma'am? So that was a police recording obtained by TMZ of Krista Glover, Lucas Glover's wife. Apparently, as far as we know now, Krista and Lucas's mother got into a bit of a fight. And this stemmed from essentially every time Lucas, and Lucas is a good golfer in his own right. He's won a major before. He maybe has a bit of a down couple years, but allegedly recently it's been escalating as every time Lucas doesn't play a good round, his wife, Krista, and this isn't a joke, his wife, Krista, absolutely lambastes him. She rips into him. Calls him a pussy. He says he can't support the family. If he doesn't start winning again and getting back in the spotlight, she's going to take the kids and he's never going to see them again. And this resulted in her physically getting into it with Lucas's mother, so her mother-in-law. Uh, police were called. Police arrived at the scene. Um, Lucas has been cleared of all any any and all wrongdoing, and he handled this very well because any situation like this, you do one thing wrong, it can very be quickly be turned against you as a male of privilege. And it's a sad story. I've seen a lot of people making fun of this. It's No, it's a sad story. It's a sad story. This guy's being abused by his wife mentally and physically. It is has escalated to the point where police needed to be called and involved. And you can just hear the exacerbation in his voice. Lucas isn't someone that likes attention. Lucas isn't the guy that is out there doing media, like, seeking media. He's not out there, uh, you know, wearing crazy clothes, doing crazy fist pumps out there uh, on the town or anything like that. So from, from what I can tell, he's just a down-to-earth nice guy. And and um, you look, I mean, this is a, I could be wrong here, but, I mean, you look at the pictures of his wife. She's beautiful, blonde. He's not exactly the best-looking guy. Put two and two together here. Not the best situation. Um, so I really just hope everything works out. I hope that Lucas, quite frankly, I hope that uh, either they work it out and maybe there's some sort of mental health issues here and they can and they can deal with that as a family. But if she's treating him this way and it's gotten to this point, for his sake, I hope that he can extricate himself and his family and everything with the kids is okay. And I just hope everything was happy and that they can live the rest of their lives in a civil manner this is no way needs this moving on this week we have the byron nelson the at&t byron nelson championship that is in texas on a bit of a texas swing here on the pga tour uh so this tournament i'm gonna be honest it's not uh not one of the best tournaments we're going from one of the best tournaments on tour to one of the least best tournaments on tour to put it mildly the one thing that's interesting about this week, though, is the new course. We have a new course for the first time in a while uh, in this event, especially. It used to be held at TPC Four Seasons, which, fine course, is okay. Um, they did manage to uh, gain the most charitable donations um, at the previous course, our previous iteration of this event, whatever you want to call it. But they have since moved to a new course called Trinity Forest. Uh, it opened in October 2016, so it's a new 
very new course. It's built on top of a landfill. And essentially, it's night and day from any other venue. It's, it's going to cause some controversy this week. It's a Lynx-style course in Texas, which is obviously really, really hot. Lynx-style, lots of wind. It's a bit elevated because of the landfill, so it's exposed. There, it's a course that you need to play a lot of bump and run shots. You can't play through the air. You're going to need to play along the ground, much like you would play in the UK for an Open Championship, British Open. A um, lot of runoff areas, huge, huge greens. There's a double green. Um, we've had players say they'll go out there one day and shoot seven under. The next day they'll go out there and shoot seven over. It's tricky. It's got some... Some spunk to it. It's got some flair to it. It's got some uniqueness to it. It's it's dark. It's brown. It's it's unique. It's, it it could go down as the next Chambers Bay. It could go. It could be the next Whistling Straits. It could join the PGA Tour as a regular event, or it could be a one-off. I think what people are saying um, close that they know kind of what's going on behind the scenes is this course is really pining for a major. They really, really want to have a major. And if things can go well and they can figure out how to best set up the course, that seems like it could be a distinct possibility. So, hey, let's hope that uh, things... Let's hope things go well this week. And let's hope that, uh, if nothing less, it's not like a minus 20, minus 25 winning score. Let's hope for some some, uh, some weirdness. Uh, that's essentially all I can say. I want to see some runoffs. I want to see some bogeys. I want to see some double bogeys. I want to see some... Long grass and people getting pissed off, all that stuff. The field, uh, yeah, the field's not very good. There's some good players in the field, but it's very, very thin. Just five of the top 25 players in the World Golf Rankings are present. Those would be Jordan Spieth, Hideki Masayama, Sergio Garcia, Mark Leishman, and Matt Kuchar. There's a couple other notables, uh, Chilean team, Joaquin Neiman, and Maverick McNeely. Neiman is, he's just seeing up at his third professional start. The last time he was in Texas, he had a sixth at his first professional start for the Texas Open. Uh, Maverick McNeely, former world number one amateur. He is taking his first sponsor exemption since the West Coast Swing. He's coming off a third place finish on the Web, finish on the Web Dog Cobb Tour. Other notables that can be seen, uh, Adam Scott, Charles Howell III, Jimmy Walker, Brent Snedeker, Bo Hostler. Uh, the rest are kind of just middle of the pack grinder type players. There's over 150 players in the field. I did my usual, you know, spreadsheet narrowing the field down uh, between, you know, recent form, recent cuts made, how they guys have fared in Texas. I didn't go into um, how they fared in this tournament per se because it's on a brand new course. That doesn't really matter. And then uh, looked at general stats and then stats that I deem relevant for this particular course. And after all of that, my top five for the week are Jordan Spieth, Jimmy Walker, Charles Howell III, Matt Kuchar, and Rory Sabatini. There's really only, as I said, 11 guys of the 150-plus that made it to my final spreadsheet. Spieth, Kuchar, Billy Horschel, Jimmy Walker, Brandon Grace, Aaron Wise, Charles Howell III, Rory Sabatini, Martin Laird, Johnson Wagner, and Andrew Putnam. So hopefully one of those guys will uh, get the job done. But on a new course like this, sort of hard to... Handicap, we don't really know what exactly to look for, but uh, really just looking forward to seeing this course. Looking forward to seeing uh, some some high scores, some low scores, some confusion. And that's about it for that. Uh, I'm going to sign off here in a minute, but some personal news. 
I am attending the LPGA event next week, heading out to Michigan on Sunday. So I'll be there uh, every covering everything. <clears throat> excuse me, covering everything from Monday through to either Saturday or Sunday, depending on the tournament goes. Canadian Brooke Henderson's there. There's a bunch of other big names there. So looking forward to getting a look into the LPGA, how things sort of run over there. I'm not sure what my podcast and blogging schedule will be, but I'll certainly be active. You can say that. Um, next week's tournament on the PGA Tour will be the Colonial. So the Texas swing kind of keeps ramping and going on. Other than that, that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me on Teeing Off, and I will speak with you next week. Mm-hmm.